Ladies, you can have a seat. Don't you just love that song? I love that song. I love that song. What a blessing it is to have Denise and her, and her band with us this week. Uh, Denise wrote that song based on our theme scripture for the week. In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. He will lead us to cross over. And I tell you, ladies, I have got to remember that. It's in his strength that I get to cross over, only in his strength as he leads me. And I find my refuge and my fortress in him because I'll tell you, and if you know me, you know this is true, left to myself, I would just stay right over here. Only in his strength can I get over to the other side. You know, many of you are familiar with the picture that you've seen on the posters that we used for this year's VBS. And one of the main reasons that we love this picture of this bridge crosser is because of the red cloth flowing behind this girl. And because that's, it, it, to us, it represented the blood of Christ. You know, that's the only way that we actually get over. It's in his strength and what he has done for us on the cross, only through Jesus. You know, if you were here last night, and I know many of you have come back, many of you are here for the first time, but last night we were asking a question. We asked it all night long. We sent you home asking it. Hopefully you did your homework. Maybe you dreamed about it. I saw some of you asking the question on Facebook today, and that was kind of fun. You know, what if we asked that question? What if, specifically, what if we crossed over? We were asking that last night, but tonight we want to ask a new question, and we've already introduced it. The question is, why not? In other words, why don't we? <laughs> You know, if we know that we have the strength available to us in Christ, why do we choose to stay over here in these places of mediocrity? I believe the Lord has some things he wants to say to us tonight. Let's just bow our heads and ask him to be with us as we look at his word. Lord God, we just thank you for another opportunity to be in this wonderful place. You've blessed us. You've given us ways to be able to be here. Many people have gotten babysitters or, you know, their husband said, yeah, go, be blessed. Some, you didn't know how you were going to get here. You didn't even know if you were going to have the gas money, Lord. But God provided different things, Lord. We just thank you, Lord. Whatever our situation is, we thank you that we're here. And God, we believe you have something you want to say to us tonight in your word. And we want you to know that our ears are open. Our minds are attuned to what you're going to speak to us tonight, Lord. Lord, if you need to correct us, if you need to show us something in our lives of reasons why we choose to stay on the other side of mediocrity a lot of times, Lord, speak to us. We want to hear from you. Lord, we want to ponder these things tonight. Would you just visit us in this place tonight, God, and make things clear to us so that we can move forward. Thank you, God, for your word that you instruct us in. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And I do encourage you to get your word out. Get that crossing guide out if you want to take some notes and different things tonight. You know, let's think about this question, why not? And let me begin just by sharing. Sometimes it's interesting to me how the Lord gives me stories to share as I teach. If you're a friend or a family member of mine, you know it's kind of just fair game. You know, that um, if I know you and, and I'm going to, you know, things happen a lot of times, I'll, I'll talk about you. Usually I'll ask. Not always. <laughs> but usually I will. But sometimes I also tell stories about myself, and I, I want to do that tonight. This summer, I spent a lot of time at the library. I called them study days. And you see, even though we're in this wonderful place here this week, the main office for Established Footsteps is in my house. Really, it's in our home office, as now 
established footsteps has pretty much taken over that. <laughs> I let them in every now and then. And really, our dining room has also become uh, the meeting boardroom uh, catch-all for anything, everything established footsteps. And, you know, the walls are painted red in there, and the curtains are kind of this gold and sage stuff, and pink and black don't really go, but it's just kind of all thrown in there together. It would really be a decorator's nightmare about now. But that's just the way it is, and my family has been very gracious to just allow this to happen over, you know, the last four years. But as many of you already know, when summer hits, house dynamics change just a little bit. Especially if you're somebody that works from home, you know that to be true. And although I love, you know, when school's out and all of that, uh, it does definitely change what's going on in the home a little bit, you know, because the phone's ringing more and kids are home and, um, you know, they're wanting to cook pancakes and, you're, you know, just all different kinds of things that on a normal day when I'm there by myself and able to study and do some things, it, it's just not the same. So as summer began to approach, I started getting a little antsy about this. And my husband and I talked about it. By the way, did you see him tonight? He had a very important shirt. Did you see what it said? says, I love my wife. Now, I'll tell you, I bought him that shirt, but, but he still wears it, so, and he chose it himself tonight. I didn't know he was going to wear that, so I'm very blessed, but anyway, so we, we, we were talking through it, and he said, you know, I think you just need to go to the library, so pretty much every Tuesday and Thursday this summer, I didn't work from home. I worked from this little cubicle in the public library. Now, one particular Tuesday morning, I had just gotten there, gotten all set up. I had my own little cubicle that I liked, and I, you know, thankfully most of the time nobody else had taken it when I got there. But I, I, I set up because I was going to write the message for tonight for Women's VBS, and I knew what the title was going to be. It was going to be, Why Not? So I typed out those words, you know, and just thought, okay, Lord, what do you got, you know? I knew we were going to be in John chapter 11, but I, as, I, as I always do, I bowed my head to pray, asking the Lord to be very present with me, you know, as I wrote, I wanted him to speak, I just wanted him to, for it to be his words, because I, I can't do this. I mean, he gives me what to share. So I started to pray, and as I did, I sensed this urging that I needed to uh, get out of my chair and get on my face to pray. Now, when I'm at home, I'm just sharing with you, I do that a lot. <laughs> And the reason I do that is because I'm a very strong-willed person and I have to remind myself often that I'm not God and that he is and just humble myself before him. And I think a lot of times we need to do in the physical what we're deciding in our minds. And so I do that a lot at home and that's fine because nobody's there and nobody can see me. But this was the library. And so I thought, oh God, you don't mean that, you know. And so I just kind of just started praying again. <laughs> You know, I, I didn't think it would be a good idea because even though I was kind of tucked back in the corner, I thought to myself, you know, all in a matter of seconds, I thought people will come by. You know, they might think I'm crazy. In fact, if I'm flat on my face, they're going to think I'm dead or something. You know, God, certainly you don't mean this. That won't bring any kind of glory to you. So I just started praying again. But the Holy Spirit kept urging me, you know, to get on my face to pray. Now, finally, I just got kind of frustrated, to be honest with you, because I had a goal in mind that day that I was going to get this far in this message, and I thought, this is taking a lot of time here. So I just thought, all right, I'll do it. So I got up, and I, I looked over, and there were some people way back over here, and there was this big plant, and I thought, you know what? If I just kind of tuck myself behind this plant, <laughs> nobody will see me. It'll be just fine. So I got down on my knees, you know, over here behind the plant, and I'm down here, and I thought, oh, you know, certainly on my knees that's enough for the public library you know so I started again and I started praying before I knew it I was doing this like stretching thing 
I didn't even know what I was doing it. Our subconscious just does stuff. But you know, as I finished praying, I opened my eyes and I was so glad I was stretching because this guy was coming around the corner. And in my mind, I thought, oh, okay, he just thinks I'm doing this yoga thing because I've been here all day studying. Now, the library had only been open 10 minutes, you know, but I didn't think about that then. And so I just jumped up and he looked at me strange and I just kind of went back over to my computer and sat down real quick. And you know what stared me right in the face? Two words on my computer screen. Why not? Why not? Why won't we as women move over and cross over with Christ? Why wouldn't I get on my face and pray in the public library if that's what God was asking me to do? And as surely as I asked myself that question that morning, the Holy Spirit just started to speak to my heart. And he reminded me, Sharon, you don't have all the answers, do you? You're just like the women that you're going to be talking to on Tuesday night at the Ferguson Center. You get so bound up in all the junk of mediocre thinking, and you just often choose to stay over here. And he went on to speak to my heart, saying something like, you know, this morning I wanted to reveal some things to you about yourself. And on Tuesday night, I want to reveal some things to my daughters about themselves. Because until you all understand why you stay over here, you're never going to get moving over to the other side and find more. And so ladies, I tell you that tonight, it's a little humbling of a story, but I tell you because I want you to know, even though I'm up here speaking, I don't have all this stuff figured out. I'm just like you, I'm learning too. And we all have things that hold us back. You remember, last night we were in John chapter 11 and we were looking at a bunch of crossing over stories there. And we're gonna go back there again tonight Hopefully you've read it, you know, I, I told you again last night, hopefully you've gotten a chance to read John 11. If you haven't, I encourage you to read it and also read John chapter 12 for tomorrow night as well. But we want to look there tonight with a different question in mind, and the question is, why not? So let's turn to John 11, and again, if you were not here last night, I mainly teach out of New American Standard, but even if you have a different version, get it out, get your hands in it, use your Bibles, that's a good thing to do. Okay, you remember Martha. We talked about Martha last night. We called her the Martha Stewart of the day. Always in control, always with a plan. And you remember Martha was pretty frustrated with Jesus when he didn't come and heal her brother. You know, she had sent him the note, expected him to show up. He didn't, and she was pretty frustrated. And last night, we saw her go out to Jesus and say to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus basically responded to her and was saying to her, what if, what if you really trusted in who I am? I'm the resurrection and the life, Martha. Once you understand that, it's going to change everything. Now, Martha had several struggles going on. First of all, the big one at the time was her brother had just died. And that was full of all kinds of challenges. If any of you know who have gone through the death of somebody that you love dearly. But she also had another challenge going on that we have identified, and that's that she was a control freak. <laughs> and some of you in here probably are too. And I've, I can go there really quickly myself. It tends to go with us who are type A, strong-willed type people. But the need to be in control 
was really the thing to me that was trying to, or actually had separated her from what God had in mind for her life. And Jesus was calling her to cross over into more. And in verse 27, let's read this together. After Jesus had said to to her, Martha, I'm the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? This is how she responded in verse 27. She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, even he who comes into the world. Now, I love this because we get a little peek into Martha's heart and we see, you know, she's trying to cross over. Do you see that little statement when she says, even he who comes into the world? It's like, I don't understand how that could be so. I believe you're God, but how in the world has God come into the world? You know, God's supposed to be in heaven. What are you doing right here? I don't understand that, but yes, I believe it. And see, for Martha, that was a big deal because she was used to having control and understanding all of these things. But if you keep reading in Martha's story, you find that Jesus leads Martha to Lazarus' tomb. And I want us to flip on over to verse 38 and look at something else. Because it looks like she's starting to move on across when she said that. But look at verse 38. Jesus, therefore, again, being deeply moved within, came to the tomb. Now it was a cave and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, remove the stone. Martha, the sister of the deceased, said to him, Lord, by this time there's going to be a stench, for he's been dead for four days. Now, can you relate to what's going on here? I can. (laughs) I'm just like Martha. Many times I cross over with my words, but then Jesus really challenges me. (laughs) And I start questioning, and I start making excuses, like getting on my face in the library to pray. (laughs) And I start telling Jesus, this isn't a good idea, I don't think, anymore, God. See, here Martha stood with all these people around her, Jews she knew, her relatives who had come to console because Lazarus had died. And remember, typical thinking for her is being in control, making everything just so. And Jesus calling the stone to be removed when her brother's dead body had been in there for four days was not in her plan. And so I can just see her stepping up to him and pulling him aside and saying, Lord, what are you doing? You know, this doesn't, this isn't going to work. Don't you know he's going to stink? Now think about this, ladies. Just a few verses before that, she had just told him, I believe you're God. And now she's saying, don't you know he's going to stink? Like Jesus wouldn't know that. Like he he created everything, but he's not going to know that a dead body is going to have a stench with it. In other words, what she was saying to him, you really haven't thought all this through. Let me just give you a little bit more information here. Forgetting he's totally that he's God and having her own plan. The King James Version says, Lord, he stinketh. <laughs> I, I think that's funny to me. You know, they can put it, they can put the F on, you know, every word. But anyway, like, Lord, how could you do such a thing? But doesn't she sound just like the typical in control, in charge woman trying to make everything just so Always pulling on, let me tell you what I think about this. I don't think that's a good idea. Always having to have an opinion, always having to tell everybody, even God, what what he's supposed to be doing. See, in her earlier conversation with Jesus, it sounded like she was starting to cross over. But when push came to shove, she was right smack in the middle of mediocrity again. Fear of what people were going to think. Fear of the unknown. Loss of control. Human reasoning. What makes sense? See, it was one thing to make a mental and a verbal assent toward Jesus. Oh, I believe you're the Son of God. Even he who has come into the world, that sounded nice. That sounded religious, and she was talking to Jesus, you know. 
But what about when this whole different scene came into play? And you have to display it to all your family and friends that, that you believe. Especially when Jesus is claiming he's going to raise your brother from the dead. And, and you're not sure how in the world he's going to do that. And you know that that body stinks. See, that kind of crossing over gets in your space. It gets in your relationships. It gets in your preferences. It gets in your reputation. And these are the reasons why Martha chose not to move. Why she decided to just stay right over here. That's the why not for Martha. But I love Jesus' response to her in verse 40. Look at it. He said, did I not say to you, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. And you know what, ladies? I know there are some of us in this room, myself included, that, you know, we want to cross over. And yet many times we fail ourselves. Let's just let the voice of the Lord speak to us and say, did I not say to you, if you believe, you're going to see the glory of God in your life. Let's believe, ladies. Let's not stay over here in that why not place. Now, but let's look at Mary. Why wouldn't she cross over? Why wouldn't she cross over? You know, Mary and Martha are dealing with the same thing here, pretty much. Same challenge. Their brother had died. And his death and everything surrounded it had created a sadness and a grief. And probably some financial issues were brewing in their minds. All kinds of things. Jesus wanted to take them across to Moore and give them his perspective. But they were struggling to even get up on the bridge and let him leave. See, for Martha, it was the need for control that was her place of mediocrity. It was the mediocrity she lived in. It could easily keep her over here. But for Mary, it was something altogether different. And we talked about that last night. She lived in a place of hurt and pain. Mary was so hurt that Jesus did not come to heal her brother. And verse 20 told us she just sat in the house when he came, much like you and I would do when we pull away from somebody who has hurt our feelings or has done something we don't understand. But Jesus sent Martha to go and get Mary, and we find that Mary did get up. She did get up, and she went out to speak to Jesus. Look what she says in verse 32. It says, Therefore, when Mary came where Jesus was, she saw him, and she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, those are the exact same words that Martha said. But you know what? Mary said them differently. Because if you keep reading in verse 33, you find out that Mary was weeping as she said it. Like, Lord, how in the world could you do this? How could you forget us like that? You know, as I read this whole account, I find that Mary is just a mess emotionally. <laughs> I believe Jesus doesn't even enter into the conversation with her at this time, because he's moved too. In fact, that, that verse, verse 35, that we all know Jesus wept, that's where it is. He's moved because he sees her tears. I believe he's moved because of Lazarus' death. I believe he's moved because he looks at death for all of humanity, and this is never the way it was supposed to be. And this shows us a lot about the heart of our Jesus. He wept. But he doesn't even enter into this conversation because he's moved, but also because I think he knows. In the midst of all this pain, She's not ready to cross over yet. That's the why not for her. Her pain has consumed her. She's in no state to cross over. Now let's look at the disciples too. Why wouldn't they cross over? Well, last night we saw them following Jesus around, but Jesus is calling them to more, more than just following him. He wanted them to believe in him. In fact, he set up this whole thing so they could cross over. Ladies, let's look at this for a second. Did Jesus have to go to Bethany to heal Lazarus? No. Do you remember the story of when he healed the nobleman's son? All he did was say it. 
the nobleman's son was in a different city altogether, and the boy was healed at the same hour. <laughs> Jesus, all he had to do was think it in his mind, and Lazarus would have been healed. If it was so dangerous, he didn't have to go there. But he set this whole thing up so that they would believe. Remember verse 4? It says, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified by it. Verse 15, he told the disciples, I'm glad for your sakes that Lazarus is dead and that I wasn't there, so that you can believe. Let us go to him. Do you want to know what that word for believe is there? In the Greek, in the original language, it's the word P-I-S-T-U-E-O, and it means to place full trust and confidence in place full trust and confidence in. And see, Jesus could look right into the disciples' hearts and he could see their hearts were divided. <laughs> sure, they followed him around, but they had not crossed over into having a fully devoted and believing heart in him, to being fully surrendered. Why not? Why not? Because they were afraid. <laughs> because there was a lack of belief. They were too focused on what they could see in the natural. Now, what about the Jews? We talked about them last night as well. You know, back in the days of Moses, God gave the people the law. And the law was intended to draw people to God. The Jews got it all so messed up for a long time, they didn't even obey the law because they were so involved in idolatry. And then after that, pretty much after the last of the Old Testament prophets and all kinds of things had happened, eventually they began exalting the law above God himself to where the law became an idol. And then they started keeping all these other laws on top of the laws that God had given to where no man could ever come up under that. And what ended up happening was legalism. And it really separated man from God. In fact, Jesus was just in, in a, almost a weeping state at one time in the Gospels where he looked at Jerusalem and he said, how I have longed to draw you to myself, but you're just not willing because the law just kept pulling and separating the people from him, from God himself. And so Jesus wanted to draw them back. And Jesus kept calling them back to faith. And that's why he didn't stay away when he knew the Jews were going to be there. Because he wanted every moment he could to be able to show them who he was. And this is one of those times. He wanted them to believe. Look at verses 41 and 42. He prays. This is right at the time he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. And he says, Father, I thank thee that thou hearest me. And I know that thou hearest me always. But because of the people standing around, I said it, that they may believe that thou didst send me. He wanted the people to believe. Did they cross over? Did they actually believe? Some actually did. Praise God. Verse 45. Many, therefore, of the Jews who had come to Mary and beheld what he had done, believed in him. But you know what, ladies? Many didn't. If you keep reading in verses 47 and 48, you find that, oh man, this just made some of these chief priests and leaders of the Jews just angry. They convened a council and they were like, what's going on? And we got to stop this and this isn't a good thing. And, and they felt threatened, their pride and, and their own leadership. They were like, well, if, if we don't do something about him, something's going to happen here. They didn't believe. Why not? <laughs> well, tradition, pride, Fear, control, ignorance, arrogance, a lack of understanding, all so twisted and sad. So very sad. Now, last but not least, we didn't really look at him last night, but I want us to look at Lazarus. And I want you to think about why didn't Lazarus cross over? Now, for Lazarus, there's no way he could cross over unless Jesus called him. 
Why didn't he cross over back to life during those four days? Why didn't he just get up out of the tomb himself and just come out if, if it was God's will for him to be raised from the dead? <laughs> well, it's pretty obvious. Why? He was dead. <laughs> you know, dead people don't get up. They don't, they don't cross over. They don't, they don't move. It's, it's very obvious. But read verses 43 and 44 with me. Jesus said, cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had come forth bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Once Jesus called Lazarus, he actually got up and moved out of that grave. And that's a big deal. We're going to talk about that in a few more minutes. And I'll let you know why I made a point out of something that seems so obvious. Dead people don't get up and cross over. But that's very important for us to understand. Now, we've looked at all these people. What about us? You know, Martha didn't fully cross over because she was so interested in appearances and being in control. Mary didn't cross over because she was just a mess emotionally. She couldn't get her eyes off herself to even look at who Jesus was hardly. The disciples didn't cross over because they were afraid. And truth be told, they really didn't believe in who Jesus was yet. And the Jews, well, they had God so tightly put in their box and formulas, they couldn't even see him. And they were full of pride and arrogance and a lust and a competition for power. And Lazarus, we already said it, he was dead. He couldn't cross over. But ladies, you know, it's one thing to look at them. But what about us? See, I don't know about you, but as I look at these people, I can see myself in their stories. How many times, like Martha, have I said, nope, <laughs> no, God, I, I don't think so. I don't understand that. That doesn't make sense to me. This is embarrassing. What will people think about this? Or the classic, I'm not really comfortable with that, you know? Or how many times, like Mary, have I been so upset and so focused on myself, such emotional mess that I wouldn't even allow myself to look at God's promises? Or what about being like the disciples? Oh, there's many times I didn't understand why he would ask me to do something like that. I was afraid of what might happen if I did. Well, in the Jews, I mean, I can identify there. I've been critical. <laughs> I, I, I thought I know all the answers. I've blindly trusted in my religious traditions, you know, without ever really listening to what God was saying in his word. And so I just stay put right over here, camped right in mediocrity. And then there's this whole thing with Lazarus. Let me explain it a little bit further. See, I can see myself in him, too. <laughs> I think about all the time that I was dead in my sin. I couldn't walk across that sin and get to life. <laughs> I was dead. I was dead. And I wonder how many people in this room are still spiritually dead. <laughs> and maybe you can identify with Lazarus. You cannot cross over into life on your own. <laughs> Lots of people try. <laughs> And they think things like this, let me build my own bridge to God. I'll go to church. I'll give God some money. I'll do this good thing. I'll stop this bad habit. And you know what, ladies, these are all self-constructed bridges, and they don't work. I remember when I was 10 years old, I was trying to build this little bridge across a creek with a, with a big branch. And I thought I had it all secure. It was wintertime. I got up on that branch, took one step on it, the thing cracked, and in the creek I went in the wintertime, freezing cold. 
And you know what? That's the way our bridges are. They look good. We think they'll work, but they really, really don't. And see, as people, we try to build our own bridges to God so that we can be saved, so that we can know God or have an experience with God. But if you're dead in sin, the only way you're ever going to get out of that is if somebody more powerful than death calls you out. And here's the good news. Somebody has. And his name is Jesus. And when he came to earth, he called everybody. The Bible says, whosoever will. The call is for all. There's no reason for anybody to ever stay put in a grave because you have been called out. You do not have to stay in a spiritual grave. But let's say this as well. As people, we also try to build our own bridges into more, don't we? We think, oh, if I just do this, that's going to make me happy. That's going to make me fulfilled. That's just what I want. And we set our sights and we work so hard. And, you know, we might spend years constructing this bridge and it really isn't going to last. I mean, we might think money or fame or popularity or some big house in the exact right neighborhood. And it's got to look just like this and it's got to have just this stuff. Or if I look this way or if I get this fixed on my body or do this or have the perfect children, all these different things. We think those things are going to bring more. And really and truly, although they might bring some joy for the moment, it's not anything like the more that God would like to bring into our lives. There's a scripture in Psalm 4, and it says, How long will you love what is worthless and aim at deception? And the Lord speaks that into my heart a lot of times when I get off track. How long, Sharon, are you going to love what is worthless and aim at deception? Because these things are not going to bring the more into your life. Jesus is the only bridge for salvation that will work. And Jesus is the only bridge into any kind of more that any of us want to experience. You know, there are so many things that we try to do, myself included, you know, trying to find that more. Now, I heard it put an amazing way recently. And this is a little bit different for me, but I thought it might help make a point. So I'm going to do this for you. Give me just a minute, okay? To be a survivor in this amazing race, with a need for speed, you need God's grace. And if you're desperate like housewives watching Days of Our Lives, you can't cope without hope, and that's not on a soap. If you're looking to Oprah or Dr. Phil, you can shop till you drop or pop a pill, but the void won't fill and the pain won't kill till you love the one who hung on a hill. Kicking back in your lazy boy easy chair, watching who wants to be a millionaire? Nah, you're not going to find it there. No American Idol or Council Tribal has the final answer that'll satisfy you. CSI ain't got a clue. SVU don't know what to do. Not the ER, the OC, nothing on the TV, DVD, MP3 is going to save you and me. CS, um, ah. Uh, CSI ain't got a clue. SVU don't know what to do. That's the same line I just said, isn't it? Um, not the, nothing on the ER. All right, let's find a new place. Okay. CNN's got no good news. Here's a headline you must choose. It's not a simple life, Paris Hilton. You're treading on thin ice, living in sin. You can be an apprentice for Donald Trump. You can eat Fear Factor fast food from a dump. You can be a heavy hitter or a Wheel of Fortune winner. You can be a Fox News no-spin spinner. But you better check this life you're living and make sure your sins are forgiven. I bet you 50 cents Elvis Dunn came and went. 
And eventually, every Black Eyed P, Gwen Stefani, P. Diddy, and Britney, every wannabe on MTV with their icy bling, every Dixie chick that sings, they're all going to see the king of kings. I don't care if you're Leno or, or Bono or anybody. One thing you've got to know, Flo, one day you're going to die, and then where are you going to go? Hey, I'm not talking about some punk junk that's irrelevant like your great-great-great-grandma's church from way back when or some preacher feature on TBN that you've got to be liking or listening to. No, the real superstar is Jesus Christ. He's the way, the truth, and the life. One day he's going to split the sky. He's the brightest light in the highest high. So what I came to say and what I came to tell you is don't be buying that stupid stuff they be selling you. It's all designed to fill your head and waste your space till your body's dead. No, the real superstar is Jesus Christ. Now, here's what I'm going to say. Here's the bottom line in my rhyme. Get up out of that dead place and give your life to God while there's still time. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> now, you're sweet. You're sweet because I really messed up and I'm really disappointed on that. I practiced and practiced that thing. I'm not a rapper and I don't claim to be, but when I heard that, and obviously that's true, even with the pink sunglasses. Now, but I loved that. You know why? You know why I loved that when I heard it? Because there's a lot of ways to share the gospel and I didn't write that. But you know what that does? It just names the junk that our culture thinks is so valuable that we get so caught up in and it is so worthless. It has no eternal value. It's not going to get you anywhere. It's not going to do anything for you. And we get so caught up in it, thinking it's going to bring something in our lives. And you know why I loved that rap is because it makes us look at Jesus. It makes us look at Jesus. And you know what, ladies? In the same way, Jesus had a conversation with each one of these people in John chapter 11 that made them look at him made them look at him. I don't know if you realize this or not, but every one of these little stories in John chapter 11 is moving toward one thing, and that's the resurrection of Lazarus. See, Jesus wanted them to see who he really is. He didn't heal Lazarus. Why didn't he? So Martha would see his glory when he raised Lazarus from the dead. And when Mary sat weeping in the house, he told Martha to go get Mary so she would end up coming too and the disciples didn't want to come with him but he made him go anyway even when he could have just healed Lazarus with a word because he wanted them to see and believe and you know what because he waited that long he knew the Jews would have all come by then and so they were going to be there too don't miss this Martha and Mary and the disciples and the Jews they were all right there when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead and he did that on purpose so that they would see him. We need to allow him to usher us to the resurrection. That's what we need. We need to get our eyes off of all that other stuff that we spend so much time looking at and thinking about and let him take us to the resurrection, even if we don't really want to go, and look at it and look at who he is. Here's the point. When we see who he really is, it will make a huge difference in how we live. And I want to make this analogy clear. I think I have, but I want to make sure that everybody understands this. Every single person has things in life that want to separate us from God more. It's just the result of living in a fallen world. 
It might be your own sin. It might be a big health issue or a little health issue. It might be somebody else's sin. How many of you know somebody else's sin many times can pull us away more than our own? You know, we get so caught up in, in how that makes us feel and, and all the different things. Most of us have big things. Most of us have little things that happen every day that just want to pull us away and cause us to be over here when God would rather have us over here in our hearts and minds. And everybody deals with stuff. And it's so easy to just get defeated and just stay put right over here and deal with our stuff just like the world does in full-blown mediocrity. Very common responses to life. Everybody doesn't expect anything different, but yet not God's best. And it's very tricky because a lot of things over here can easily have the appearance of more, can't they? <laughs> they really can. And, and we can get very caught up in that and, and get in this mode of striving after all that. Now, if that's true, if everybody deals with all that, how in the world do we get over here? And we've been saying it for two nights now, Jesus is the bridge. Now, that's very obvious when we're all sitting here and we got this huge bridge sitting right there on the stage. <laughs> that makes very much sense. But how many of you have ever been over here and you're looking over there, and you know that's where God wants you to be, but you don't see any bridge. <laughs> There's no bridge in sight. It just looks like this never-ending chasm that you can't get across. And so you just get into this mode of whatever it is that keeps you over here, fear or lack, or that's the way it's always been, or you're having a bad day, or I've got low self-esteem, or anything that we, we talk ourselves into believing that's why we've got to stay over here. In reality, the reason we built this bridge on the stage, and didn't they do a good job building that bridge on the stage? I mean, wow, they did. And the reason we built that on the stage and the reason we wanted that to be the only thing on the stage is because I never want you to forget this bridge because it's going to be in those moments when you're over here that you need to remember there is a bridge. His name is Jesus, and all I have to do is get up on the bridge, and he will carry me across. Do you know that the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 1.20, all of the promises of God are yes to you in Christ Jesus. That means there's nothing, nothing that is a promise of God that is not available to you if you have come into a life-saving relationship with Jesus Christ. Nothing is, is off limits to you. All the promises of God. So if you're dwelling over here, it's by our own choice. It's by our own choice. God will call us and lead us across so that he can bless us with these promises. And they're so vast, we're going to talk about this more tomorrow night, they're so vast we can't even hardly describe them. We're using the word more this week. See, we look at these people, and I can see myself in their stories. And Jesus met us in this place last night, and I know he challenged Many people, uh, what if, you know, what if you crossed over any number of things? And I can't even begin to name all of the ones. I, I had a girl uh, write me a note today on Facebook. She couldn't be here tonight, but she was so blessed last night, she said. And she said, God really spoke to me. She said, I just graduated from James Madison University last year, uh, this spring. And she said, I started with some other girls. I started a Christian sorority while we were there. And she said, I came here thinking, Lord, what, what do you want me to do? Where are you, where are you wanting me to cross over? And she's back here in the area now. It's, it's going to be getting a job here. And she said, but I had this vision in my heart that maybe the Lord might want me to bring this Christian sorority to, to see in you. And she said, when your husband got up and prayed at the beginning, and he said, 
you know, may, may the glory of God that goes on this week spill out over into the campus of CNU. She said, before we ever even got started, God spoke to my heart and said, I want you to cross over and begin to work on that project and see how God might use that to bring a Christian sorority here. Now, that will be a walk of faith for her. It can be things like that. It can be crossing over unforgiveness or unbelief or all different kinds of things that we deal with, whatever it is. See, I wish we could see all of the hearts and minds and the things that were dreaming and brewing in our hearts last night. But just as sure as I know those dreams began, ladies, I also know what it's like to be a woman when the doubts kick in. I do. <laughs> I know what that feels like. I've been there. I live that just like you. And it doesn't take very long before we start coming up with all the reasons why that would never work and it's better just to stay over here. And we could talk for an hour and not mention all the expressions of mediocrity that rise up in, a, in us, you know, that make us stay over there. But what we really need to do is get a good view of Jesus. Because talking about all the reasons why we don't ain't going to get us going anywhere. <laughs> what we really need to do is set our sights forward and look at who Jesus is. Jesus ushered these people to the resurrection so they could see him. And you know, the resurrection makes all the difference. All the difference. And I want to talk to you for just a minute why. See, what happens when Jesus overcomes death? See, each of us are, are tripart people. We are body. We are soul. We are spirit. We talked last night about how our spirit is dead when we do not know Jesus. And because he resurrected, it gives us the opportunity to cross over and to actually have his life reborn in us. So the resurrection makes a really big deal. See, he didn't just resurrect Lazarus. That's really just a picture of what he was going to do himself. He resurrected himself. He's the only one that has power over death. And that makes a huge difference spiritually. It also makes a huge difference physically because one day every one of our bodies are going to die. But we're going to get a new body in heaven, just like Jesus. Okay, when Jesus came out of the grave, he had a new body. And we're going to get a new body as well in heaven. And that is a glorious thing. The resurrection makes a huge difference because nobody else can give you a new body. I don't care what plastic surgeon you go to. It isn't going to be the body like Jesus gives you. Okay? And, and, that, and that's a really important thing to know. But see, it's really easy to believe God for those things that are in the future. And I don't mean that it's easy. But it's a, that's far off, you know. Oh, sure, yeah, I believe I'm going to heaven one day. And I believe, you know, that, that I'm going to get this new body. The Bible says that. But see, we cannot forget that the Bible also talks very, very clearly about what it's going to mean for right now. The fact that Jesus resurrected us from the dead, resurrects his children from being dead in sin, that he can resurrect our dead bodies. We also live in the day-to-day, -day, don't we? And he can resurrect our souls. He can resurrect our mind, our will, and our emotions. You know, when he called Lazarus out of the grave, what did he say? What did he say? Unbind him and let him go. In other words, take these dead, smelly death clothes off of him and let him live. And when he calls us out of the grave, he calls us and resurrects us out of dead living. See, his resurrection makes a difference to the spiritual side of us, it makes a difference to the physical side of us, and it makes a huge difference to the death of our souls and what goes on in that daily death of our souls. If you think about it, mediocrity, living like the world lives, is a slow death because it's surely but slowly 
steals what life God had in mind away from you. But it doesn't have to be that way. And I can tell you, I lived in mediocrity for years because I hadn't really taken a look at who Jesus was. I didn't see him in the word of God because I wasn't in the word. And like the Jews, I thought I already knew everything about God. I had graduated from Bible college with honors. Ladies, I didn't know nothing. Until <laughs> Jesus started revealing himself to me in his word. And I started giving him time for that. And I began to get it. I began to get it that it makes a difference right now. It makes a difference in how I'm thinking. When somebody hurts my feelings today. When somebody doesn't say what I think they should say. When I look at my life or I'm sick or this or that or whatever's going on. Even though those circumstances are there. And we're going to talk more about that tomorrow night. In my heart and in my mind and in the way that I respond to life, there is more. There is a higher plane to walk on. And God has that for me because Jesus can resurrect. He resurrects our spirits. He resurrects our bodies. And he can resurrect our souls the way that we live. He wants to unbind us out of this garbage way that we end up living over in mediocrity. Yesterday morning, about 11 o'clock, I was walking and praying. And normally I go pretty early in the morning, but we had had a really long day on Sunday here practicing for VBS, and I was tired. So I got up later, and I was walking in my neighborhood at 11 o'clock, and it's hot, you know, and yesterday was garbage day. And so, you know, every, I'd go a few steps, and I'd hit the next trash can, and then I'd hit the next trash can, and oh my goodness, the stench again and again and again. But it was like this visual reminder to me, it was like a sensory reminder of what it would have been like for Lazarus when he came out, and yet the power of God to be able to change even something like that. It doesn't matter how smelly you are, it doesn't matter how far gone you are, how long you've been dead, he can resurrect that. He can resurrect any thing. You know, I'm reminded of some verses in Romans 8. If you want to turn there, many of you probably already know what they say. Romans 8. It says, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. The Bible calls the way the world lives death. And you've been set free from it. See, I might end up over here. I might end up over here because I've got all this bitterness in my heart. And I have been sometimes. Been over here because of bitterness. And I look over there and I think, oh, I should go over there to forgiveness. Yeah, that would be a good thing. But then I start justifying all the reasons why it's better to stay over here. I don't, I, I don't want to forgive them. I don't want to give them the opportunity to hurt me again. I have every right to be bitter. And I might even have some friends and well-meaning people, sometimes even Christians, that will say, oh, you need to stay right there. And a lot of times we'll do it behind a smoke screen of wisdom, you know, when a lot of times it's not. Just look in the Word. Let's, let's forgive. But I can allow this chasm to be there. But ladies, this is just an example. Do you not think that if Jesus can forgive the whole world, that he can forgive you to lead, you know, lead you to forgive a few people in your life? Don't you know that he had to wrestle through some of the people he had to forgive in his heart and mind? <laughs> you know, I mean, there's some people that have done some really evil things in this world. If Jesus can figure out how to do that, do you not think he can figure out how to lead you to end up in forgiveness too? <laughs> See, it's all about, if, if since we have been set free in him, we've been resurrected in him, he can do any of that. It makes me think about Rosemary Tribble. Some of you have read her story in The Crossing Guide. and She's the president's wife here at uh, C.H. 
in you. She's here with us tonight somewhere. I, I got to meet her face to face. We've been talking on the phone and emailing. I'm so excited for her to be here because tomorrow night she's going to be doing one of these stories on the bridge. And she's going to share with us a huge story of forgiveness. It would have been so easy for her to stay over here. To just, she had every right to stay over here. Every right. She's got a, a story that, you know, nothing that I've ever felt any bitterness could even compare. And yet she crossed over to the other side. And the more that she has found when she allowed God to change that in her. See, whatever it is, Jesus can resurrect us out of it. He can resurrect us. Everything that happened in John chapter 11 was moving towards the resurrection so that Jesus would let them see who he is. And tonight, I just really believe, I really believe that that's what he wants to do. That he wants to take us to the resurrection where we'll look at it with fresh insight and fresh eyes to say, Jesus, if you can overcome death, you can overcome the death in me. The death that the world has taken from me, slowly but surely, it's just eating away at me. That you can resurrect any of that. You know, he set all that up. And he sets things up in our lives, too. And I believe he set up this week for that very, very thing. See, we may not get to walk down a dusty road to the tomb and see him raise Lazarus from the dead. We might not be like the ones who stood there at the grave and realized Jesus had risen from the dead. But ladies, we can get in his word. And let me tell you, he will bring this thing to life in you. He will show you the resurrection in fresh ways. He will show you himself and what that means to you in fresh ways. And you need to be in the word. You know, we have some resources out here. And there's tons of resources in our world today in this information age. I, I would hope you would look at some of the things we have. Some Bible studies and some teaching CDs and things like that, you know. Because it's more than, I love the t-shirts, you know. But it's more than that. It's about being in God's word, really living the stuff that we're talking about. And I hope as we're here this week that you see Jesus, you get a fresh look at him. I'll never forget, I'll never forget about 15 years ago, I stood in a, in a high school auditorium. It was when Joyce Meyer was just getting started, really. And it was about a group of women maybe this size. And I, I had been in church all my life, and I didn't get it. I didn't get what it meant to be saved. And I'll never forget it. We were singing a song about the blood of Jesus. And all of a sudden, it was like the light bulb just came on. And I got it. I understood what the, what the death and resurrection of Jesus meant. And that's a work of the Spirit in your life. And that began a total of change in me. God can open up our eyes and allow us to see. And I hope this week you see. That's the prayer of my heart. It's the prayer of our team that has been preparing and, and praying about this event, that we, we see who Jesus is. He is the only one able to raise himself and to raise men from the death that tries to take away the life that God wanted to give us. So I want to say the question a little bit differently. And the question is, why not? Meaning, why not? Why do, why do you stay over here? But I want to say it differently. I want to say, why not? <laughs> why not? <laughs> Why in the world would we stay over here when God has so much more for us over here?